Hello, this is Jess Mahler, finally back with a storyary podcast, formerly A Griffin's Tales. Today we are finally starting Bound by His Oath, an aromantic lost colony sci-fi story that takes many of the tropes of historical romance and fucks with them. Before we get started, I have a few announcements. The big news is I've taken on a partner. Raiden T. Phoenix is a worthy match for my griffin and will be helping me write future stories as well as narrate old ones. We will take turns narrating, so I will be doing the full of Bound by His Oath, and then Raiden will be narrating What You Will, a queerer Shakespeare in the spring. Partly because of this change, the web serials have been moved to a new site, www.storyary.com. That's S-T-O-R-Y hyphen A-E-R-I-E dot com. I think that's all the news for now, so let's get to the story. Here's Bound by His Oath, Part 1. Raymond Swithin watched with mixed feelings as his men put the fields to torch. The field belonged to the lands of the Lord of Runa, but for six years there had been no lord. The last lord had died, leaving only a daughter who refused all suitors, and insisted, against all right and nature, to hold the land in her own right. One of the men-at-arms left off burning the fields to chase after a serf, slower to flee than his fellows. Raymond whistled and called him off. The thick smoke rising from the stands of wheat meant empty bellies and lost livestock over the winter to come. That would be bad enough. But to kill the peasants as well? No. The king had promised the lordship of Runa to any man who could force Mildreth into marriage. Raymond planned to be that man. He had no desire to rule over a land gone barren because there was no one to work the fields. He looked up at the castle high on the hill above. It wasn't really a castle, just a rough attempt at making a proper fortress out of one of the old English burgs. Mixed wood and stone with an earthen wall set with stakes surrounding it. Even with his small force he could overwhelm it. Probably. But others had thought so before. Raymond knew of at least three other knights Lady Mildred had managed to overcome or repel. So he would be wiser. Your fields burn, lady he thought to himself. Soon you will have nothing to feed yourself or your people. Then we will see how stubborn you are. Even as Raymond thought this, the gate set into the earthen wall opened, and warriors lightly armed in the English fashion poured through. They moved faster than Raymond had planned for, but he judged his men had enough time for an orderly retreat. Raymond blew his horn twice, summoning his men back. They had done what they had come to do. Now it was time to leave and disappear into the surrounding forests. Lady Miltrith Runa was in the weaving room. Again. Short pale fingers flashing as they sent the shuttle of undyed wool thread back and forth across the loom. By the end of the day she would have another bandage to add to the ever-shrinking pile in the still room. Her mother, the Lady Dowager, worked beside her. The rest of the room was filled with every woman who wasn't sleeping or too fumble-fingered to work a loom. Once the room had been full of laughter. The weavers teased each other as they turned out fine linen and plush, took turns working on tapestry. No longer. They wove in shifts now, running through a month's worth of wool in a week. 
In the surrounding villages, old maids and young girls were spinning their fingers bloody to supply the ladies of the burg with thread for their weaving. Marcel the Conqueror would not abide the blasphemy of a woman holding lands in her own right, but by the terms of his own conquest he could not deny her inheritance. Six months ago he had withdrawn his protection, promising a boon to the lord who could force her into marriage and win her lands. As far as Miltrith was concerned, the Nornish idea of courtship had left much to be desired. So far she had been able to send her erstwhile suitors packing. So far. From the walls a horn rang out, calling her warriors once more to battle. An hour later Miltrith stood on the tower walk, staring into the darkening forest where the invaders had been. This wasn't the first Nornish lordling to attack her, but so far he was the most cunning. The others had assumed a mere female wouldn't be able to stand against even a token show of force. All had crept home like whipped curs after learning that the daughter of an English lord and a dragma war-maid had forgotten none of the lessons of her ancestors. Most had fled, but a few she had been able to capture and ransom. If she and her people could survive long enough, they would at least have no problem buying new supplies. Footsteps on the stair behind her announced the arrival of her armsmaster, Wigmar. He still wore his armor, leather over brigantine, but had taken off his helmet. Sweat soaked through the old bandage on his head. You shouldn't have gone out yourself, Wigmar. He came to stand by her and scratched at the old wound. Too many injured and unable to ride, milady. I'm hale enough as long as I don't take another blow to the head. You weren't planning on taking the first one, she ground out. Wigmar ignored her comment and started his report. As I warned you, milady, they had too much of a head start, and we couldn't catch them before the trees. No sign of their camp? Wigmar shook his head. They've crossed over that rocky strip to the south. Don't know how they didn't lose a dozen horses to broken legs, but it's big enough to break their trail. Woodsmen are trying to work their way, but it's a big strip, and we can't be sure they didn't leave an ambush, so our people need to move slow. With dark falling, it will take a miracle from the ancestors to find them. He made the sign for the ancestors' ancient ships. He's a smart one, milady. She snorted. Let's be honest, Wigmar. It doesn't take much smarts to figure out what any rabbit running from the fox knows. He's just the first of our uninvited guests who thinks I have the brains to put my own shoes on. Eh? Mildred started pacing. How likely are they to try this again? If it works for them, Wigmar shrugged. Against your father, likely they'd move and hit somewhere else, but... Aye, Mildreth said. So we use that. Pull our people back. Don't wait for full dark. Let them think we've given up. He eyed her speculatively. Tomorrow, before first light, get as many of our warriors as you can ready to ambush them as they cross the Stone River. The old English warrior grinned. Your mother's daughter, milady. I'll start planning. The next morning, Raymond dismounted to lead his horse over the rocks. It would be all too easy here for a horse to break a leg, and an unlucky rider might get thrown and break their own leg, or their head. It was early and still dark under the trees. Raymond waited and listened, patting his horse when it wickered at him. After a few minutes, his scout signaled all was clear there was no sign of the English nearby, which was exactly what he expected, but Raymond knew if they were to be ambushed this would be the spot. 
It was part of the reason he was moving so early in the day. He wasn't happy about the risk, but the alternative to crossing the Stone River was to risk being tracked and ambushed in camp. The ambush you knew to expect was always best. Raymond frowned in thought as he led his men out of the scrub and over the rocks. True, the castle was held by a mere woman, who would know nothing of warfare. But she had proven herself no fool driving off those who came before him. If he continued coming from the same direction, she would start sending out ambushes. His sister Eveline certainly would have, and by tomorrow at the latest. Though his mother would have taken another week or more to realize chasing after him wasn't working, and then she would have no idea what else to try. He was glad Lady Miltrith didn't seem to be as foolish as his mother. He'd have wed her regardless, but he wanted a wife he could hold a conversation with from time to time. If she was anything like Eveline, she would soon have her people out on patrol or guarding the remaining farms. He'd need to have a plan for that. He was deep in thought and halfway across the rocky terrain when a flight of arrows hissed out of the surrounding scrub, followed by dozens of lightly armored warriors on foot. Raymond dodged a whirling axe, then lunged forward. His spear point slid into a gap in the axeman's armor and stuck there. Releasing the spear, he drew his sword. Unhorsed, his heavily armored knights were at a disadvantage. They had better protection, yes, but had already lost their greatest weapon, the momentum of their mounts. And the rocks were slick under them. The smallest slip could turn into a fall a man might not get up from. The fight was chaos and confusion. Raymond had heard that the English were deadly fighters in their beloved mountains, but he'd never managed anything like this close-ranged whirling combat. The first attack had taken out a full tenth of his men. Outnumbered, unable to retreat, he was down at least another tenth, probably more. Shamed, but seeing no other answer save dying, he stepped back from the front line and pulled the battle horn from his belt. The solemn call for surrender rang across the battlefield. The End Part 1 of Bound by His Oath